Welcome to the Between the Dream podcast. I'm your host, Richard Taylor Jr. Today is Friday, October 23rd, 2020. Hope that you all are doing well, and I hope that you all have had a great week so far. Um, Thank you for joining us once again. To our new listeners who might be tuning in for the first time or maybe one of the first times, I want to say thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode. I definitely hope that you enjoy it. And I ask that you subscribe on whatever platform you might be listening on. For those of you all that are returning, thank you, my dream team. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you for the donations towards the podcast. Everything that you do to make the Between the Dream podcast possible, I just want to say thank you. It means the world to me. So without further ado, I am so excited for today's episode and today's conversation. As you all know, we've been taking certain conversations throughout this month to talk about how we can finish the fourth quarter stronger and also how we can be disciplined in order to find that strength to finish this fourth quarter strong as we close 2020 out, right? So we've talked mental health, we've talked healing. Today I've got a great friend with me, somebody who I actually look up to, whose work I admire and who I think is phenomenal. And they're gonna be talking to us today specifically around the relational side of how we can finish strong and some things that we can do to be productive and proactive, whether it comes through the form of our friendships, our families, our marriages, our children, whatever it might be. Today, I have an amazing friend with me, Mr. Joseph Wilson, who will be talking to us. But before we get started, I gotta like, we gotta run through his bio real quick, right? Because this brother has his hands in a lot, but he's phenomenal, right? He's a marriage and family therapist. His goal is to help millennials navigate the unpredictable journey of love, which obviously we all need, right? He is the host of the Love Unscripted podcast with his lovely wife, and he also has the Love Unscripted apparel line. He'll tell us more about it, but before we get into that, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you, my brother. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. So first and foremost, how are you all holding up during COVID? (laughs) Whew, it's, it's, just, it's a challenge. It's off and on. It's off and on. Um, one thing that I know for sure is that we are learning a lot about each other, me and my wife. Um, <laughs> a lot of different things. We're learning a lot about ourselves. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it right now, you're almost not just if you live with somebody else, you're in a bubble with someone else, but you're in a bubble with yourself now. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like having to look at themselves in the mirror and <laughs> have to be like, yo, that's me. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't distract myself with other things because it's not safe right now, too. So I think it's a very um, insightful time um, that we have an opportunity to learn a lot about ourselves, our partners, our children, just the world around us. Like we're learning a lot about everybody all at the same time. That's facts. That's facts. And y'all can't see Joe right now, but I'm a low key jealous because I can't grow facial hair and he definitely got his Nipsey hustle going on right now. And we about to be in no shaves in November. So I'm pretty sure Joe going to keep it going strong. But Joe, I see you out here with the strong beard, man. You're killing it. Listen, I always like there was a time where I didn't have a beard. And <laughs> the things you've already said, discipline. I got really disciplined with my skincare routine. Oh, like, facts. Okay. Like, like, I just got really disciplined. Like, every single day, I have to do this, this, and this. And all of a sudden, when you start taking care of the skin and stuff, it just started growing. So, so the white folks out here told me I need to use potato water. Is that true? 
I don't know none about how to get over I'm just asking, man. Look, I'm in a different space out here in Seattle now. Folks have been telling me some stuff. And a lot of the, a lot of the guys I'm around here, you know, they're mostly white. And so they're like, yeah, just use some potato water. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, do you to boil the water first or do you just put the potatoes in there and let it sit overnight? I think you just let it sit overnight and then you take the water and rub it on the face. Bro, I'm, hey, you know, it, to each his own, right? <laughs> Yo, well, Joe, do me a favor real quick before we go ahead and hop into the conversation. Um, man, tell us a little bit about your work, a lot of bit about your work, and um, what gets you started? So, like, obviously, knowing that you are a family and marriage therapist, um, and you and your wife are doing some amazing work together, like, what led you into this space? And by the way, Joe is in Tennessee, right? Yes. What part? Nashville. Man, I still want to come and visit Nashville, man. I am a huge country music fan, and I've always wanted to come and visit the Bluebird and visit the Grand Ole Opry. Those are two of my to-do lists, but we're still on punishment with COVID right now, so I can't. <laughs> that was ignorant. Sorry, but it's true, though. We are. And so, Joe, no, but seriously, bro, what got you into this, this working space? Where were you born and raised and all of that? So I was born in Huntsville, Alabama, raised in Nashville, Tennessee. And what really just got me started into this relationship space was kind of my own upbringing. Like my parents were divorced growing up um, and that caused me a lot of social and emotional um, strain. Mm. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that I grew up thinking about relationships and marriage that really impacted how I would interact with other people. Mm-hmm. And so as I would just grow and develop, like it came to a helm where like, I just had to do something like if I wanted to be able to have healthy relationships, I had to do something different. And it wasn't even just in the relationship space. It was just my whole life. Like I had to change everything. I had to go back to the, the very basics. And what happened was I was in undergrad, I was in college. And there was one time I was like, I was working at a grocery store and they were like, uh-huh. all right, Joe, it's your t- turn to clean the toilets. And I'm like, shoot, I don't want to clean the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the only job I had. Um, I really wasn't in school because I got kicked out for having bad grades. Mm. And I went there, the toilet was filthy. And I was like, yo, this is not what I was meant to do with my life. Wow, that's true. That. And so what I decided to do, um, I think one of the first things like that just happened was I heard ETs, uh, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard that, but that speech triggered something in me and put me on this path of wanting to be more disciplined. Uh Once I was able to get myself a little more disciplined, just showing up to work five minutes early. Yeah. When I finally got back into school, just go to every class. I ain't got to get 100. You just got to go to every class. Right. Just little steps like that were making big improvement. And then I had to face the big bad boogeyman that was under my bed, and that was me and my relationships with women, or just being able to form a healthy and positive relationship. Mm -hmm. Luckily, um, I was able to work within myself through a lot of like, just just a lot of stuff. It was, it's just a lot of trying to get yourself to a point where you're able to have healthy relationships with people. And I was able to get there, I got married. um, And while I was married, I wanted to be able to help other people reach the destination of marriage and show them the step by step. Because what I realized with me, my parents never talked to me about relationships. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell me how to have a healthy communication with a partner. 
or how to love myself first before I get in relationship or else I'll just be doing anything that anybody wants me to do. Right, right, right. These things. And even as an adult, I realized that, yo, there's a lot of like me and my friends, we would talk about stuff, but we don't talk about it with everybody else. Mm-hmm. So that kind of led into us doing the podcast where we wanted to just have these conversations that we're having as adults out in the open. Because mm-hmm. what I was finding out was that there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of great solutions for common problems that happen in relationships. As yeah. a therapist, I've come to learn there are certain things that are bound to happen. Like you can count on them like clockwork, but there's also things you can do down to a T that'll automatically eliminate those challenges. And so just putting that conversation out there for millennials to be able to talk about relationships, what are their challenges? Once it helps everyone realize they're not alone. Everyone thinks they're going through the only thing by themselves, not knowing that there are other people in their city, town, in the world that are going through the same thing, but also getting solutions, which there are a lot of people having victory over the exact problem you're sitting there pulling your hair out of. So if we're able to have those conversations in front of everybody, it gives everybody a chance to feel like they're not alone, but also come away with things that they can actually do. And that's kind of how we got started with the Love Unscripted brand. Like we want people to know that you can't really script out how your love journey is going to go, but Mm -hmm. there are things you can do to make it better. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And I love it. You know, one of the things that I'm big on um, is that lived experience, right? And uh, I think as a storyteller, like the the writer part of me, the storyteller part of me as a speaker too, um, one of the things I'm always encouraging people with is that your story matters, no matter how big or small, right? Um, And I know it can be very hard for us to, to kind of really consume that and believe it. You know, I know me personally, even at times now, I'm like, why would anybody care about what I have to say with this or this or this? But to your to your point and to your testament, man, I think that's amazing because you understand that your experience and the story within it has so much value that could actually help somebody else. And you're taking that step to do it in a society where many are too apprehensive or maybe too afraid to, man. So I just want to, you know, give my kudos and commend you on that because I think that that in itself is so amazing. Um, when you talk about taking that leap of faith or just kind of, you know, having the courage of your conviction to do it, even though you get out there and you might seem silly to some or silly to yourself, like it's not easy. And then the fact that you've got such an amazing partner that help you, that helps you, excuse me, in that and that supports the vision and sees it as well. Uh, man, so you touched on a few things that I, I want to dive into. Um, and obviously everything that you stated with helping, you know, millennial couples and couples in general already, I think it's kind of heightened a lot more because COVID obviously is here now. And with COVID being here, Joe, I'm pretty sure you've seen a lot, like just in conversation and sessions and everything. I'm sure that you've had a chance to witness and experience a lot. If you could sum up what's like some of the biggest you know, relational concerns. And we'll start with marriage first and then go family, um, children and stuff. But what are some of the biggest like outcries or cries for help that you've been hearing or seeing just as a whole with people? And the biggest one, and it's, I'll have to explain this a little bit, but the biggest cry that people have had is literally they need more distractions. Hmm. So here's the thing. Think about it. 
you're, let's say you work 40 hours a week. You spend almost more time at work than you do at home with your partner. A lot of people are at home now. And so the biggest thing now is I don't have anything to distract me from the problems that we had going on. So right. people be like, well, I just can't seem to get past it. I need something to do. And everybody is always like, I need to go out. I need to get out. Very few people are like, I need to learn how to have a better conversation. I need to learn how to listen. <laughs> wow. I need to be more disciplined and do what I say I'm going to do because now I have no excuse. Usually you can say, oh, I have work. Work is running over or, oh, I got this. I got to pick up the kids. Now there's no place for you to, 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 to hide behind. Facts. And so Facts. a lot of people don't have that distraction to, to be there to cover up that glaring problem that they have in their relationship. And guess what? Everybody has growth areas in their relationship. But mm -hmm. what that does keeps us so busy that a lot of times we don't focus on them. And that's mm -hmm. another reason why the divorce rate is so high because we get so busy with the ebbs and flows of life that we don't take time to grow in the areas that we need to. So mm -hmm. you don't slow down to address these. You just keep going forward and forward and forward, which that, what that does is pull you further and further apart. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what I've seen is a lot of people, they're wanting distractions. They're like, how can I not address this? How can I not address this wow. and it be okay? But I think the, the, the main thing is like people are now trying to figure out how can I relate to this person on a uninterrupted level without the, the distractions. That's the second mm -hmm. point. How do I relate to this person now in a, in a vacuum and almost more so in their truest sense without the distraction, without the having to go to work, without yeah. having to go, go, go that this society has us in now. That's a challenge for a lot of couples because now when something happens, like normally if you, you get upset in the morning about something, you go to work and you think you're okay when you come back. But now you're there all day. Mm -hmm. You go to your office, do work, come back out, they're still there looking at you like, yeah, you still didn't take out that trash. You still right. that. Now you have to deal with that. And I think a lot of people are just having to get back to the basics that they have abandoned now that they've been in relationships for a while. Because mm -hmm. that's what happens. Like you get comfortable, you stop doing a lot of the fundamental behaviors, practices, principles that you started your relationship with. And mm -hmm. now this is the perfect time to actually get back to square one. Mm. This is the perfect time to have, listen, if you don't have a lot of money, this is the perfect time to set up a date night at home. That's real. Be creative and do something. Even if you have kids, Kids, y'all go sit up in that room for two hours and watch Disney Plus while me and your mom have dinner. You can do that. Disney Plus while mom and dad get their Disney thrust. That's what I'm talking about, Joe. <laughs> exactly. Because we're trying to figure out like how to relate to each other now because we've forgotten so much of the basics of what it means to be in genuine relationship with yes. somebody. Yes, yes. So that's a lot of the challenges. Like, like I said, people want to be distracted, but also they are trying to figure out how to relate to this person now in in like their in the most purest sense, without the distractions, without having to do all this extra stuff. Like it's it's literally making people see, like, did you really mean those vows? Yeah, <laughs> for real. 
Was it really because like this is one of those things that were unpredictable that we didn't plan? So are you still okay um, communicating for for better, for worse, richer or poorer while we're going through this? And it's making a lot of people question that. Like they said, the divorce rate has skyrocketed since COVID. It's because now you're there's no distraction. Like this Nothing. is the person that you said I do to without their their work, without the friends to kind of be the buffer. It's yeah. Them. It's them. It and is. People are having to reevaluate that. But the great thing is, people are able to. This is like that that kind of shaking that a lot of couples needed to at least try to start getting back on track. You have plenty of time to practice these communication skills around the house. You have plenty of time to be able to to, to practice uh, planning. Like you have mm -hmm. plenty of time to do that now. So it's opened up a lot of opportunity for growth in your marriage. So Just yeah. You've hit that on the head with, with the, the concern. And I think a lot of people will want to know if, if you could give one answer to like, where can they start, right? Because we see so many couples now who are in that, you know, did you mean your vows, uh, make or break season, right? Fight or flight. And in this, there is so much turmoil. But for those that are willing to fight, or maybe those that that might end up having a willingness to, like, where would you encourage couples to start when it comes to reconnecting with each other and being able to face it rather than run away from it? So one of the, the biggest skills I would say is, is being willing to listen to the other person. Mm. Like to, to not just listen, but to hear and to be able to say back and repeat what you heard them say. Mm -hmm. Because what that does is people don't realize how when you feel heard, there's a connection there. So people can tell when you're just listening just to be listening. But there's a difference between listening and really hearing somebody. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. just that alone, being able to listen and to be able to hear, builds a connection that you can build on top of. Because mm -hmm. with people being so disconnected and apart you need something tangible that you can do that is not a lot of weight on any one side it takes very little to listen and to hear there's very little like i have to go out of my way to do this no you can just have to close your mouth and be present and make up that i'm going to hear them it's That's not saying, okay we're going to write this down and you have to do this five days a week no it's literally whenever someone says something listen and hear them and it always helps for if you're unclear or you just want to show that you are listening so what i'm hearing you say is mm. that's all you gotta say so what i'm hearing you say is and guess what if you misheard what they were saying this gives them an opportunity to clarify what they mean because sometimes we know communication is a two-way street and uh -huh. sometimes when emotions can get high, people don't always say what they're meaning and may not come out as they thought it did. So mm -hmm. you say that gives them an opportunity to say, no, I, that's not what I meant. I meant more so like this. Yeah. It shows them and it's a less intense way of trying to get more information about a situation, a topic. And that's where I encourage a lot of couples to start. Just start with the listening part, hearing your partner and whatever it is, because that's going to build connection under the ground that you'll be able to build on top of. Because once there's a connection, you can almost do anything. 
But right. when you're at odds with each other and you can't seem to find common ground, it's hard to pack relational skills on top of that. Mm-hmm. So that's good. That's I would say just start with the the not just listening, but really hearing them. That's good. And I want to just piggyback and throw this in here, too, because I think it's so important to state. But we do have a ton of couples who in this are already carrying um, a huge level of resentment and frustration and anger towards their partner, maybe from things pre-COVID. Right. You know, maybe they're trying to get over an infidelity. Maybe they're trying to get over, you know, an ugly argument, situations that want to ride like whatever it might be. I think that if if healing is where you want to be as a couple too, there is that willingness to say, hey, even though I feel X way about you or Y way about you, um, we, we have a responsibility. Uh, man, I've been listening to an amazing uh, book lately by, um, God, I cannot remember the psychologist's name off the tip of my tongue. Oh, the book is called Parents, Teachers, and Mental Health Rapid Relief Series, book number three. It's by uh, James E. Campbell. Um, But I thought it was really good. He is a a child, adolescent and adult psychiatrist. But he talked about how, you know, we we so um, readily use the word responsibility. He but he broke down this concept as well of what we call response ability, if that makes sense, Joe. Um, And so he talked about our ability to essentially control our responses what we say, how we do, and all of that. And so I thought that this was really important, man, because in this response ability and our ability to respond, I think that many of us have um, these moments and times where we uh, struggle a lot to respond in a way that's favorable, or sometimes we're not willing to respond in a way that's favorable for us to get on the side of healing or to get on the side of even, hey, we need to be on the same page for the sake of reconciliation, right? And so I, I just want to speak to everything that Joe said. I really want to point out like, yo, there is a heavy heart check that has to happen when it comes to how you choose to respond in moments like this, people. <laughs> it, is, it is so important. And so, Joe, thank you for that. Um, man, I want to uh, switch gears real quick and ask the same thing about children, right? We got a lot of parents... Um, with uh, with children that tune into this podcast, and I'm pretty sure folks are going to be sharing it as well. And and I know that you know there have been so many things when you talk about students, right? Like, I think when we're younger, when we're adolescents, it's definitely a lot easier for us to feel like life's problems are going to last forever, right? <laughs> and and then you add COVID in, it's like, well, dang, like I'm about to be in virtual learning forever. I'm like, and it just it feels like such a weight, man. What are some of the things that you're noticing there? And then what is some encouragement that, would, that you would give to parents with children um, in this season? So one thing I'll definitely say is, what's, what's, at least in my experience, I'm starting to see that these kids are really resilient. Mm-hmm. Like they are able to, but studies show that, like kids are more likely to handle catastrophic events that happen in the world better than adults. Because mm-hmm. one, they don't have the experience to know how bad things really are, but yeah. they also are just like, okay, this happened. Well, let me go on to the next thing. So I see a lot of kids, they are, they're handling pretty well, but when compared to with however their parents are responding, that's where it kind of gets a little, like it starts to deviate. So mm-hmm. if let's say you have a parent who is really stressed out, the kids are just going to go with whatever 
the status quo is in the house. Mm-hmm. So if mom and dad are stressed, then they're going to be stressed. So yeah. one of the things that help alleviate this is talking with kids about what's going on. Like kids are not stupid. They know when you're stressed. <laughs> they know when you're thinking that something is out of place and they're just sitting there watching and waiting to see whether or not you're going to acknowledge what they already know. Wow. It's, it's, it's just so like, they're so intuitive. Like, they know what's going on in the world. They're just waiting mm-hmm. for you to tell them so they can know what they need to do or response. So That's have true. the conversations, no matter what it is, about what's going on in life. I always tell like parents who try to hide the fact that they're about to move and they're wondering why their kids have been upset this whole time. And I tell them like, you know, they know like already. That they're not <laughs> they see your body language. They see how you're acting. They see the boxes. Even though they haven't said anything, they know what's going on. But what is throwing them off is the fact that you're not saying anything to them. Mm-hmm. They are part of this family and you are leaving them out of a, of a big piece of information that, that is still going to impact them on some level. So That's I good. want to encourage parents to be willing to talk, about, talk to their children about what's going on in life. Mm-hmm. So right now we have the pandemic and the virtual learning. Talk to your, your, your children about, hey, right now, virtual learning is going on, and this is what it will look like. And honestly, I don't know how long it's going to last. But while we're here, we're going to give our best effort. We are still in school. You're still here to learn, and we will be okay. Mm. And then guess what? When they say, hey, everybody, time to go right back to school, guess what that conversation is? Hey, the the city feels that it is now safe to go back to school there are going to be some safety precautions you're going to have to wear masks you're going to have to do this having those conversations with them gives them it helps them set their expectations and know what to look forward to going into the new world Mm. so talking about what's going on especially with the pandemic is going to ease their stress and guess what it's going to ease your stress because now you don't have to tiptoe around them yeah. Another thing that I'm seeing is a lot of parents are having to spend a lot of extra time with their kids yeah, than they <laughs> on top of having to work. Like mm-hmm. I can only imagine the stress of if you're now transitioned to working at home or you're still going um, on site to work, you still have to have that extended time with your children. A lot of people aren't sure of how to make that work on a daily basis mm-hmm. i could do it on the weekend i could even do it spring break we'll send them to grandma's house but now it's you yeah now it's you who has to figure out what you're gonna do with your children seven days out of seven of the week <laughs> so, so one of the things that i share with a lot of parents is do what the school does put them on a schedule mm. because like expectations, students, kids will know what to expect on a day-to-day basis. Hey, everyone is out of the bed by 9.30. We have breakfast by 10. We have this, we have this, we have this. Put it up where they can see. So, cause you know, kids will come ask you a thousand times if they- Absolutely, absolutely. Is it lunchtime yet? Is, is it time <laughs> to go outside? Like, no, put it oh, on a board. Listen, the Dollar Tree has the flip boards that you can get a whole flip board for a dollar. And you can write whatever the schedule is, paste it on a wall where everyone can see, but just have a schedule. That will put them at ease. If you have children who have high anxiety, 
putting them on a schedule will help them better regulate themselves because they know what's going on. Mm -hmm. so that will help them determine how do I need to feel right now? I don't know when lunch is. I'm getting hungry, but I don't know when to act. Like it helps with all that. Mm -hmm. So have that schedule and that will really help. Another thing is since you're at home, start creating some intentional family time that Love is Come just on. focused on growing together. Not talking about the pandemic, not talking about school, because those things can tend to stress anybody out right about now. But do some fun stuff. Watch a movie together. Eat popcorn. Do some art. Go outside and go to a park. Something that is just, hey, we're doing this as a family. We know what's going on in the world, but this is going to be our happy place for this hour, two-hour point in time. So mm -hmm. start scheduling some of that intentional family time because what that's going to do is that's going to help you outside of the pandemic because now you you're not going to just jump back into what was before but now you're going to start to create a a a culture of connection within your family so that with with these times being so uncertain if they happen to go back to school and come back guess what they're not going to be thrown off because they know okay we still have family time. I still know there's going to be a schedule right. and it just creates a, 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 a different type of environment. So plan some of that intentional family time with your kids to do something fun. And that will also reduce a lot of the stress. I love that, Joe. And I think that's great, too, because I'm looking at it from a standpoint, too, of that it could actually shift the narrative and the excitement level of uh, both parents and children looking forward to that family time. I did a speech uh, last month for a uh, big corporate group, and that was one of the questions that came up. Um, and parents were talking about, you know, just some of the things that they're going through with their children. And I encourage that, right? And I, I encourage the same thing you said. And I went back to how um, when I was a kid, like my mom and dad were very intentional. I think up until like my senior year of high school, we were, they were so intentional about, um, you know, Sunday family dinners where we would have that, right? And that bonding time is so important. But I'm thinking about everything that you're saying right now and thinking about that. And I'm like, man, how much more, um, powerful can these moments be for family to where they will look forward to it when they take what you first said though which is parents being honest and real and authentic with their kids and not necessarily coming from the shelter place of parents but understanding that these are young growing little humans that have a mind of their own and they can pick up and read more than you let on right and 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 what happens when they approach it like that? Like, I think the, you on to something, Joe. Like, kids would be so much more privy to be in tune and excited about those moments of, even though I've seen you all day, I've seen you in the capacity of work, but I'm looking forward to this time because I know that this time and space is a safe haven. It's a safe space, and I'm good in it. I love that, and I think that that's something – that we should definitely be implementing a lot more of, man. And um, we can see a lot of healing and community of that. We're gonna get ready to start wrapping here in a few minutes, but before we do, Joe, I just wanna throw this out here. If you've got any kind of encouragement around this, um, not only have families and marriages been tested, but I believe, obviously, you know, um, relationships, when you talk about, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, and partnerships and all of that, but, Beyond that, I think friendships have been tested a lot during COVID as well. And this is one that we haven't talked about as much. 
but I think some people have probably started to realize who their friends aren't and who their friends are um, because maybe they haven't been as present or around them as much because of having to quarantine, because of having to these stay in orders and all of that. Now, what do you what do you say to somebody in those positions though that maybe they are finding themselves transitioning and phasing out of certain friendships or maybe into others? Uh, and of course, you know, when we talk about loss in general, loss is an immediate connection to a connector to grief, right? So maybe somebody's grieving the loss of friendships, right? Because those are a part of the relationship piece as well. What do you say to that, man? Because I'm pretty sure it's there, but I don't think we hit on it enough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because this time is showing who is intentional about connecting with you and who's not. Mm -hmm. Like before we could just bump into each other. If you go to church, if you have like golf, whatever it is, wherever you normally meet people at, we don't have those anymore. So when you notice that a whole week has gone by and nobody has called to just check up on you, that says something. Yeah, that's like, good, yeah. That says something that they did not take the time and they have nothing to do right now. It's not like they're mm -hmm. super Like they're at home like you are. Looking at, like I said, Netflix is watching them most of the time. Like they just, <laughs> so you have to also just, just be aware of people make their intentions known and people show you what you mean to them by their actions. That's good. And, and, the, and the most honest thing you can do for yourself is accept those actions for what they are. Don't put any, don't try to make excuses for them. Don't, don't overanalyze them. Just literally take them for what they are. Hey, somebody who I normally check up on does not contact me at all. But the moment they need something, they call me. Mm. I cannot have that type of relationship because it's not mutual. And, and if I'm honest with myself over the long term, that's going to start causing me more harm than good. That's, yeah. So then rather than even make a big deal and be like, I can't believe like, this has happened, you can peacefully just start to distance yourself. You don't got to go make a post about it. You have to be honest with yourself that this re relationship may not be the best for my overall personal growth. And that's okay. And that's okay. It's not easy. I'm never going to say losing friends is going to be easy because it's not. But it's one of those things that in order for growth to occur, you have to go through some of those things. And you mm. have to honest with yourself first this like that's the main thing like we'll trick ourselves all day long saying that somebody cares about us when their actions are clearly saying that they don't yeah so almost more so being honest with yourself about the state of the relationship yeah and if you're feeling some kind of way then you it's obvious that you were thinking that there should have been a different level of connection commitment right checking in on me kind of stuff. So since not, then you have to do what's best for yourself so you don't hurt yourself in the long run. That's so good. And I love that you said that too, man, because that is, I think it's, it's hard. I think about it like this though, man. Uh, I had a, a friend on our therapist, Trish came on a few weeks ago and we talked about this concept of uh, choosing to either hurt once or to hurt twice, right? Um, the hurt once piece is being able to deal with it head on now and address it. Um, or sweep it back under the rug, deal with the pain that you're feeling from it now, try and maybe chase after it, try and pursue it, whatever the case might be, and then have to hurt again five years from now because of disappointment, because of all of these things. And I think that is very relevant for this conversation 
when you talk about the friendship piece, right, man? And I get it. We're relational beings, right? I don't care what our personality type is. At the end of the day, we have all been created to be relational beings to some capacity, whether that is one solid friendship or whether you are an individual that has multiple friends. Like, that part of us, that relational piece, does a lot of times come with that little indicator of validation or, you know, one of the five love languages that we, you know, yearn for. So I think it's amazing that you say that, man, and I think that's something that we can take away. I just away. want to say real quick, like you said, it's either hurt once, and it's, it's going to be more than twice because here's what you've done. Once you allow it to happen a second, a third time, you've trained your brain on how to respond to these types mm. of situations. Our brain, from a psychological standpoint, tries to put in place processes that make it easier for us to think. And if we had to think about every single decision, it would be hard to function. But right. there's some things that autopilot. So what you in, unintentionally do is you train your brain to keep giving people chances who don't need more chances in your life. And so mm. it doesn't happen just twice. It happens a third, it happens a fourth, it happens a fifth, and next you're like, why does this keep happening? Because you've, you've trained your brain to be okay being hurt like that and having to go through the same process. So it's better, like you said, to just go ahead and hurt once because the opposite is also true. The next time someone comes in your life and they're not giving the exact effort in the relationship, then guess what your brain is automatically gonna do? Chop. It's not going to be no thinking. It's not even going to be any feelings involved. You're not even going to feel any type of way. But your brain has gotten accustomed to saying, hey, this is what's going to be best for me, and I need to end it right here. So you're going to train your brain. It's which direction do you want to train it for? That's amazing, right? So sometimes we don't have to break cycles because we don't have to set them up. I love it. I love it, Joe. I love it. Man, this has been so good, bro. We definitely got to have more conversations like this. I think that my audience would love it. And um, I definitely, um, I know yours would as well. Joe and I have now been on each other's podcast. So we got to make this uh, a consistent, man. Before we get out of here, though, Joe, rapid fire real quick, man. I know we talk about, you mentioned distractions earlier, and obviously everything is not work. One of the things I know about you just from listening in on your podcast, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, um, and just seeing the stuff that you do, Joe is one person that does not take himself seriously, like too seriously, I should say, um, which is we need it, right? Definitely when you talk about individuals that work um, specifically in, in the field of not only just mental health, but I think service to others in general, right? We can be so gung-ho on all of these educational components that people need that, hey, like, yo, bro, like, no, we still have fun. Like, we're people too. And so, I love that about you. I love that about your wife. Like he hearing you all kind of have these moments of laughing and joking during you all's banter. I think that's so dope. And just that genuine love and that, that, that charisma that comes with it, I think is dope. Right. So with that being said, though, I know that everything is in work. Right. Not taking ourselves so serious means that everything is not work. So since everything is not work, Joe, what are you binge watching right now? If you are binge watching anything at all? Girlfriends. Really? Girlfriends. They put it on Netflix yet? Yes, it's on Netflix. All okay, okay, okay. All eight seasons. Gotcha, yeah. So that's dope. That's dope. Um, Girlfriends was definitely a classic growing up. I haven't seen it in a while. I'll have to revisit and that. Um, is, they're, they're like 30 to 33. And back when I was watching, I was like, dang, they're old. They're so <laughs> old. And now that I'm their age, I'm like, wow. I'm old. <laughs> I'm old. I was like, Man. I'm 
understand that joke now. <laughs> no, right, right. But the crazy part too, man, on some black don't crack type stuff is that you look at all of them though, and they still look amazing yeah. in their fit forties and fifties now, right? Crazy. crazy. Yo, that's insane. I'm like, okay, I definitely got some goals to work after trying to get to that age, man. I want to keep that good skin routine like Joe got on right now. You know, I wanna I wanna be able to keep these. I ain't the rock, but I'm definitely the pebble. So I want to be able to kind of keep this this whole vibe going, right? I love it. So binge watching that, man. What is your favorite um, downtime activity by yourself, but then um, also favorite downtime activity um, as a married couple for you specifically? Maybe not for your wife, but for you. Okay, so the, I love just going for walks, being mm. outside. That's, that's my jam. I have my most clear thoughts. I it, I feel like I'm myself the most when I'm just out walking. That's, that's one of those things. Um, so, things I like to do as a couple, I love playing games. We love playing games. Um, I like specifically- Are you competitive? Yes. <laughs> so so my, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone thinks this about their wife, but my wife is a, like extremely smart. So I love playing word games because if I can beat her, then that can say something about me. There you go, so, there you go. That's too good. So specifically, I, I love games, but I love any type of word game where I got to try to like think of some stuff, some words. That's dope. That's dope. No, I feel that a lot, man. Like my wife is a very, um, I've obviously, you know, I think all of our wives are super smart and that's why they are better halves. Um, but <laughs> beyond that though, I will say this, Delina is super literal. Um, and so for her, you know, everything has to make sense. And so it's funny because I can't just pull out Call of Duty and be like, hey, let's go ahead and bust the PS5 out and play video games. But now I don't know if you remember Blockus from when we were shorties. Yes. The game Blockus. Bro, she went and found it on Amazon and bought it. And like, but that's her, like, literally. So, like, I'm up here feeling like an engineer right now, like, because we going back and forth on Blockus, and she's just so in the zone with those type of games, the word games, like you mentioned. I'm like, man, bro, like, I'm used to seeing like, you know, violence, wrestling, superheroes-ish. And, and so I'm like, there's no question for me. Like if I get a dub in, in a game that she chooses, like that says something because I'm 12 at heart. So like, I'm, I'm clearly doing something right if I win. I love it. I love it. Joe, music, what are you listening to right now? Oh, Tobe and Igwe. Oh, yes. Like, listen, like, that like I, I'm it's always good when you know somebody when they just started out and then they blow up. That's how it was for me. Like I have all his old like music, like wow. like the very first like songs he was doing where he don't sound like he do now. Yeah. But that's like whenever I just need a pick me up, if I'm needing just to mellow out, like his music is just covers that whole spectrum. That's so dope. Yeah, Toby man, uh I wish I knew how to say his whole name. Kev on stage did it, and he did it perfectly. I don't know if you saw that video. I was like, yo, Kev, like, that was phenomenal. <laughs> but, yeah, man, no, Tobe is, is – um, he's been a monster. He's been phenomenal. But you can definitely see the evolution, right? And it's crazy because I remember, man, growing up um, early on in the speaking game, man, I used to – like, I was trying to be E.T. Jr., right? And – and it, 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 it this is so funny, Joe. This might actually have to be another conversation for another day. But um, there's a whole story behind identity and purpose in that, though. Um, and so, but but I will say that 
as I took time away when I came back to listen to E about a year later, because I stopped listening to ET for a while, um, just because I was like, man, like as inspired as I am, I'm, I'm starting to imitate, right? And I don't want inspiration to turn into imitation. And that was a come to Jesus moment that I had to have. When I came back, I remember watching this video of E and he had this cat with him who was kind of laughing and joking to Jones and it was Toby. I didn't know at the time, you know, like, yo, I'm like, okay, this cat cool. But like you see him now, I'm like, yo, this cat is ferocious. <laughs> like Toby, I mean, and it, it is a beautiful thing to see um, man, just the relevancy of, I can't even just say it's music, but the work, man, the artistry behind it, right? Like everything meant, right? Like, you know, just, it's the little things, right? The, um, uh, man, I'm, 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 I got the braids now and I'm sitting up here like, man, like, do I need to start getting my little twisted up Sunday? You know, like, no, but it, and it's so dope because he's created a culture within the culture. Right. And then on top of that too, man, I think just, you know, he, he's done it in a way that has been an uh, uplifting to the community, um, which I think is dope because at the level and rate that he's at now, man, he's able to show something different from the opposite side of what we usually get with music, right? The Some of the stuff that's kind of turned some of our communities upside down when you talk about violence, right? The demeaning of women. And I'm like, bro, like, no, this man's serious about his wife. He's serious about his kid. Like, and, and it's it's cool because I don't know if this, it was like this for you. Um, how do you know, Joe? 33? Oh, no, I'm 31. 31. Okay, so we're a year apart then. But growing up, man, like everything that Toby is blowing up for was stuff that was considered lame. You know what I'm saying? So like, I remember being in high school, like, oh, you in love? That's lame, bro. Like, and it's like, or you know. So I don't know. I love that you say that, man. And, and I think it's dope. Um, so you got Toby going on right now. I, um, I mean, I'm, I'm about to be in Christmas mode in a few days, low key. I'm starting early because of COVID, right? That's my excuse. Whatever. Talk <laughs> about me. It's fine. But no, I love it, man, and and I, I love it. What's your favorite genre of music? Uh, it's still hip hop, still rap. Love it. Okay. Yeah, that's still that's still my jam. Who's your goat? Jay Z. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Jay's got evolutional. I, I I can respect that a lot, right? You talk about the Jay Z that went from you know as a freaking teenager. Um, you know, rapping about the life living then to now. It's funny, man. I remember when uh was that Magna Carta Holy Grail came out and I'm listening to it. I was like, there's gonna be a lot of cats that can't understand this. Like, because I was like, Jay just living a different life now. But it's a it was it's a testament to like, yo, like we gotta elevate. Right. We gotta right. elevate. I love that. I love that. All right, two more questions and we out of here. So you told us about hip hop and rap. Who is your favorite singer though? Vocally or as an entertainer? Jennifer Hudson. Really? Chi-Town, stand up. Listen, Jennifer Hudson, I don't care what nobody thinks. She's like, can sing. She like, sang. She can, she can like, sing with an A. She can sing. Like strong without having to do any tricks, as they would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jennifer Hudson, for sure. Like, Jennifer Hudson's voice is so loud, you can mute it and still hear it. Like you can, mute, you can mute the radio and she's still gonna be hurt. Like she's a monster. I love it. I well, love it. Funny is the second one is I think Tamala Man. Like 
Like, mm, yes. Her in person, it's like, oh my, like, why does she need a mic? Like, I've seen her sing and put the mic, and it was just as powerful in the stadium without, I was like, oh my. I've seen Tamala sit down and sing and kill. And I'm like, when you can sit and sing, you know you're good. <laughs> you know you're good. That's, that's like one and two, like one and one A, like, for me. Uh, Man, I remember seeing her on that versus that Fred and Kirk had when she came in and did that little quick um, Take Me to the King boy, job. I said, ooh, I felt the quickening in my spirit right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. Joe, last question before we get out of here, before I have you drop us with all of your, your social info. Um, what is, I know you talked about walks as like a, a thing to do. What is, where do you find your motivation? for Because we got people that might be lacking motivation. Where do you find your motivation and how could you encourage others to find theirs? So my my motivation is directly tied to a struggle that I've had mm. for, I guess, as long as I've been alive. Like that relational piece with family, marriage, like that is very personal for me. Like mm. my, like what drives me every day, I have a goal is I'm going to find a way to decrease the divorce rate by 2% in my lifetime. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but that's my goal. Wow. Why am I able to do that? Because it's something that's so personal to me. And if you want to find motivation, you have to find something that's tied to you specifically. And you have to be either extremely excited to try to do something, or you have to be downright upset enough to make something change. Mm -hmm. You have to be on one of the extremes. You can't be in the middle. There's, there's no motivation on, on just being okay with something, going after it. No, you have to be, I'm extremely excited. I'm happy to be able to do this. I'm passionate. Or there has to be something that you like, you know what? I'm so mad that this is happening. I'm mad at world hunger. So I'm going to figure out a way to feed all these people. Mm -hmm. To stay motivated and for it to be for a long time, it has to be something that's personal to you. And you have to be on one of those extremes. That's good. So that's my, my motivation. For me, I'm upset that there's so much divorce. So I'm about to get out here and do something about it. And that's Love what it. motivates me and keeps me encouraged along this whole journey. Okay. But if it was something that's just like, oh, well, I was excited. I heard something. Cool. Now I'm going to just go on about my day. That's not enough. You have to be extremely excited and passionate, or it has to make you so upset that you're now willing to go do something about what it is. That's so good. Joe, thank you so much for that, brother. I appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, um, Mr. Love Unscripted himself um, has been in the building. Joe, please tell people where they can find you, where they can find your merch, and where they can find the Love Unscripted podcast. Oh, definitely. So you can catch the Love Unscripted podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher podcast. We're also on iHeartRadio. And you can find me on social media at on Instagram at love.unscripted. And you can find our merch. We're about to come out with our fall line. You can go to loveunscriptedapparel.com. And that's just one of the ways that you can join our movement. Boom, Mr. Love Unscripted, Joseph Wilson. Thank you so much for your time, brother. I appreciate you, man. Love you so much. I got so much respect for you. And I am. I know that the people who are listening in on this um, are going to take so much from it. Thank you so much, man. We do not take your um, expertise, your knowledge, and, and anything for granted that you have presented today. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, um, make sure you go check him out. Check out his wife. They are doing so many amazing things. I love what you said at the end there, too. Look, this man said his goal by the time he dies is to, to, to decrease the divorce rate by 2%. Like, 
That's 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 some real intentionality right there. So just sit on that and think about what it is that can motivate you or goals that you have as well. As always, you're not losing a life. You're not failing. You are simply between the dream. Talk to you all next week.